0: Welcome to New Mexico in Focus, the podcast edition. I am Kevin McDonald, executive producer here at New Mexico in Focus. And today is Friday, May 14th, 2021. We are coming to you in a series of podcasts again this week to break up the content from the show. But we want to know what you think about this new format of doing it that way, Uh, dividing it into two, sometimes three episodes with content from the show which of course if you don't already know airs friday nights at 7 p.m on new mexico pbs Uh, we appreciate however you come to our content and consume that content and we always love to hear your opinions as well you can do that by leaving us a voice message right here in the podcast you can also find us on facebook twitter youtube instagram drop us a note There And let us know what you saw, what you heard, what you think, and what you'd like us to be covering on upcoming shows. All right, for tonight's episode, we are going to focus all on our line opinion panel, which this week, another great one. We have regulars Dan Foley, former House Minority Whip here in the New Mexico Legislature. Also, Laura Sanchez, an attorney, and Martha Burke, friend of the show, political psychologist and author. Always great when we can have Martha join us, even if it is via Zoom, as all of our conversations are still these days. Uh, But uh, on that topic, there were some big changes around COVID-19 this week, namely the CDC and their recommendations that... um, Folks who are fully vaccinated, that means if you had Moderna or Pfizer, you've had both shots and you have had two weeks under your belt since that second shot or that booster, or two weeks after the Johnson & Johnson um, shot, if that is what you had for your vaccine, that you're no longer required to wear masks either indoors indoors or outdoors and on Friday we got word from the governor that they were going to follow those guidelines with just a few exceptions like nursing homes and uh, places where there are still vulnerable populations so want to know what you think about that are you thrilled to ditch the mask if you've been vaccinated if you haven't been vaccinated does that provide any new incentive that might make you consider being vaccinated Uh, we would love to know what you think about that and we are narrowing in on the threshold that the governor's put to, uh, to open up the state even more and uh, pull a lot of those further restrictions away. That is 60% vaccination rate for the entire state. That's both vaccines. Uh, this week, we know we passed 50% on that front and over 60% for uh, at least one dose. So if everybody who has already gotten one dose is able to follow up with that second dose we should reach that sometime in june okay but back to our line panel this week and we're going to kick things off with a conversation something you may have seen in the headlines this week and the news actually broke a month or two ago that the state republican party would hold their annual summer convention out of state because of those covid 19 restrictions And in particular, some of the dignitaries, notaries that they wanted to bring into the convention to talk and worries about whether or not they would be stuck here in New Mexico uh, because of our COVID-19 restrictions. So that is happening this weekend, starting today, actually, in Amarillo. Uh, And we wanted to talk to the folks about what they think that message is. Was it pragmatic, as the GOP party would say, or is it a thumb in the nose of... The governor, the uh, party never misses an opportunity, really, whenever even the governor uh, loosens some restrictions to put out a press release and still say it's not going far enough. So, we know that they have not been happy with her handling of the pandemic. And this obviously sends a big message, but also opens up the possibility of folks going to Texas where the um, COVID restrictions are looser and coming back into their communities here and uh, what that implication might mean. Uh, Of course, a lot of this conversation, as you would expect, will focus around the GOP chairman, Steve Pierce, former congressman, uh, who is a bit of a controversial figure even within the party, as you will hear. Dan Foley, again, former House Minority Whip, a Republican, uh, has a lot of issues with how Steve Pierce has run the Republican Party and the overall strategy, especially when you consider... The lack of a lot of uh, wins in last year's election, in particular. Really, you bet Harold down in the second congressional district, the only thing to really hang their hat on. And so, fascinating conversation here. And let's dive right into it right now.
1: The old saying is all politics are local but apparently not when it comes to this weekend's new mexico republican party convention republican chairman steve pierce announced about a month ago the event dubbed operation freedom would be moved to amarillo texas because of the continuing restrictions related to the covid 19 pandemic here to talk about the decision and what message it sends is our weekly line opinion panel we welcome back to the zoom room line regular and attorney laura sanchez also dan foley former house minority whip and WE WELCOME BACK OUR SPECIAL GUEST, POLITICAL PSYCHOLOGIST, ACTIVIST, AND AUTHOR MARTHA BURKE. WELCOME TO YOU ALL. NOW, TEXAS HAS OF COURSE LIFTED THE MASK MANDATE AND PUBLIC GATHERINGS HERE IN NEW MEXICO ARE STILL LIMITED TO 150 PEOPLE. AND CHAIRMAN PIERCE SAYS MORE THAN 300 PEOPLE ARE REGISTERED TO ATTEND THIS WEEKEND'S GOP CONVENTION. HE SAYS IT WAS A PRAGMATIC DECISION BECAUSE OF THAT, BUT DANIEL, CAN YOU REALLY CALL, anything, call IT ANYTHING ELSE BUT A SYMBOLIC DEFIANCE MOVE HERE?
2: I think there's more to it than that, from Pierce's perspective. You know this is a guy who barely got reelected chairman mm-hmm. against uh, some some rather odd competition. I mean, he beat a radio talk show host who was a Democrat, then a libertarian. Uh, it took you know going off the Zoom meeting and going back to a special recount. Um, I think this is a way to make sure that you have a convention uh, that has the people you want there. Uh, if you're not a, if, I mean, you're either going to have to be a diehard, want to go at this Republican. Uh, if you had it in Albuquerque, you know, the guy who beat, who you beat by two votes in the third recount behind closed doors might show up at the state convention and have some issues. Right. Uh, I doubt those people are going to get in a car and drive five hours to go to Amarillo. And, uh, you know, it, you know, it's, it's just, you know, whether it's defiant or not, You know, it's I think it sends absolutely the wrong message, um, you know, on multiple levels. Look, if you're really that tough and believe things are really that wrong, uh, then go ahead and have the have it somewhere in a county in New Mexico that needs the help. Ah. Right. I mean, we we saw we saw what happened at uh, Old Town over the weekend. Right. I'm not advocating it. But the restaurant that they called on and said, oh, they're not wearing masks. The police showed up and the people met them and the police were like, forget it. We're out. We're not. THIS IS NOT WHAT WE DO. AND IT ENDED PEACEFULLY, Mm -hmm. um, BUT, YOU KNOW, IT WAS THE POWER OF THE PEOPLE SHOWING UP AND SAYING, WE'RE NOT DOING THIS ANYMORE. SO IF YOU REALLY CARED ABOUT NEW MEXICANS AND WERE REALLY FOCUSED ON HELPING NEW MEXICO, I ASSURE YOU THERE'S PLACES IN Catron COUNTY, THERE'S PLACES IN SAN MIGUEL COUNTY, THERE'S PLACES IN in MULTIPLE COUNTIES AROUND NEW MEXICO WHO THEIR POLICE, uh, THEIR their INDIVIDUALS WOULD BE 100% SUPPORTIVE, AND THE ONE HOTEL OR THE ONE LITTLE CONVENTION CENTER Mm -hmm. OR THE ONE BIG CHURCH IN TOWN, IT DOESN'T MATTER. YOU KNOW, THE ONE RESTAURANT THAT DAY, YOU COULD MAKE THEIR YEAR BY CATERING SANDWICHES AND DRINKS AND FOOD TO AN ORGANIZATION, BUT INSTEAD, uh, YOU KNOW, WHEN when IT'S ABOUT YOU AND NOT ABOUT DOING WHAT'S RIGHT FOR YOUR CONSTITUENTS, YOU'RE GOING TO HEAD TO, YOU KNOW, AMARILLO AND TRY TO MAKE A STATEMENT. I JUST THINK IT'S ANOTHER REASON WHY uh, you know the Republicans. You know, as as a Republican in New Mexico, we're you know we're constantly in a permanent majority. I mean, we have seen the enemy, and the enemy is us. Mm-hmm. Martha, pick up on that. That's an hard to argue take on the street from
1: Dan. I and mean, we're talking about practical matters and helping people. If you're if this is your thing, do you think it could have been pulled off in New Mexico if these folks really wanted to do this?
3: Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I I don't know why Dan would be against them going to the garden spot of Texas. And he doesn't
4: think <laughs>
3: well. but actually I think the bottom line here, Gene, is standing. I think he wanted to take a shot at the governor uh, and he did that because he hasn't ruled out running again. Mm-hmm. I think uh, he is going to, if he does run again, it will be seen as a retread so it probably won't do him any good. I agree with Dan, uh, lightning strikes, uh, because I think it is a, a slap in the face of New Mexico Republicans, because they're not going to want to drive to Amarillo and there's no really good way to get there. That's true. drive, mm-hmm. drive. Uh, but the other thing is the excuse Pierce gave he either lied outright or he doesn't know the new mexico restrictions cuz he said the luminaries wouldn't come from out of state if you mm-hmm. count jordan as a luminary and anything but the Koop caucus uh they because they might get stuck here well we have not had quarantine un- since last december mm-hmm. so he didn't know better or he just thought this sounded good and I THINK HE'S SHOOTING HIMSELF IN THE FOOT, AND HE IS really INSULTING A LOT OF HIS OWN CONSTITUENTS IN THE STATE. Mm-hmm.
1: LAURA, INTERESTING POINT THERE FROM MARTHA. WE'RE TALKING ABOUT Christy NOEM, uh, GOVERNOR OF SOUTH DAKOTA, AND JIM JORDAN, SHE MENTIONED THAT WE'RE SCHEDULED TO BE. YOU DON'T NEED A VISA. <laughs> I MEAN, REALLY, IF Christy Nome CAME, WAS, was IT GOING TO BE STATE TROOPERS AT THE BORDER TO RUN HER OUT? I MEAN, IT JUST, WHAT DO YOU, you MAKE OF THAT EXCUSE?
5: Oh, I agree. It was just, um, you know, he really is reaching when he when he made that comment. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, you know, more importantly, I I hate that that this entire pandemic and the vaccination and everything related to it has turned into a partisan issue. These are not partisan issues. Mm -hmm. These are health issues. These are about personal responsibility. I understand some people don't want to wear a mask. (laughs) but you know people who don't um also there are a lot of people people i know very well who don't want to get vaccinated for a variety of reasons Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uncertainty there's a lot of fear but the bottom line is when you have an event like this and you invite people to be there in person you have to recognize that there's the potential to create a super spreader event That then can be brought back to these local communities. That's right. And in some of these local communities, we're talking about areas where folks are, for whatever reason, not getting vaccinated, so they're not even protected against um, against the spread of this disease. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I think about the Trump rally that was held in Oklahoma in the middle of the pandemic when, um, oh gosh, I'm going to forget his name,
1: Herman Cain. When he passed away, Herman Cain. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Herman Cain. We all knew when you mentioned it.
5: Yeah, I could picture him, but I could not remember his name at that minute, at at that moment. But, you know, Herman Cain, when he, he, we all think, or I believe, that he contracted it during that super spreader event, as did others, and then he died. It's terrible to to even consider having an event like that. um, When we've all gotten, over the last year, used to doing things on Zoom, we've all gotten familiar with this, people of all generations are able to maneuver You know, a a Zoom conference and whatnot, and and get business done without needing to travel five hours to another state Mm -hmm. um, and put yourselves and your loved ones in jeopardy. Mm
1: -hmm. Hey, Daniel, you know, business has to be done, whether it's here or in Texas. And, you know, the chairman is throwing out some positive words there about working across the aisle, encouraging people to run for school board and down ticket, particularly was very, very interesting. Um, You know, does that ring hollow in any way, given these conversations that are happening? OUT OF STATE? DOES THAT MAKE ANY KIND OF A DIFFERENCE?
2: NO. I MEAN, I, I I THINK, YOU KNOW, LOOK, Pierce IS EVERYTHING THAT'S WRONG WITH THE REPUBLICAN PARTY, RIGHT? I MEAN, THE LAST THING THE REPUBLICAN PARTY NEEDS IS MORE RICH WHITE GUYS WITH, YOU KNOW, THAT SOUND LIKE THEY'RE FROM DALLAS, TEXAS. IT JUST IS NOT SOMETHING THAT IS uh, INCLUSIVE OF THE CITIZENS OF THE STATE. AND EVERY CHANCE THAT HE'S GOTTEN TO PUT HIMSELF OUT THERE, WHETHER IT'S RUNNING FOR GOVERNOR, RUNNING FOR CHAIRMAN OF THE PARTY, IT'S BEEN AN EMBARRASSMENT. YOU KNOW, WHETHER IT'S, YOU KNOW, his HIS YOU KNOW, KEEPING THE FIGHT, KEEPING THE PEOPLE HIRED THAT WENT AFTER SUSANNA MARTINEZ TO HIS CONSTANT ATTACKS ON REPUBLICANS THAT DON'T SIDE WITH HIM OR AGREE WITH HIM. Um, I MEAN, LOOK, THE LAST ELECTION CYCLE WAS A COMPLETE DISASTER FROM, uh, YOU KNOW, THE STATE PARTY. I MEAN, IT WAS it was non-existent. I MEAN, YOU KNOW, EVERYTHING FROM THE TOP OF THE TICKET DOWN, WE TOOK A BATH. Mm-hmm. AND, uh, YOU KNOW, I MEAN, if, IF I WAS CHAIRMAN OF THE PARTY AND HAD THE SAME OUTCOME, OH, AND BY THE WAY, ONE ON THE RECORD Guaranteeing a Trump victory in New Mexico. That's right. I mean, he guaranteed a Trump victory in New Mexico, mm-hmm. and the president took a shellacking in New Mexico. And so, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, this is this you know this has turned into the you know this the 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 this has turned turned into the Steve Show, and uh, that's what it's always been about. It's been about him and his organization. It has not been about results because there haven't been any since he's been chairman. Mm-hmm. We've been moving in the wrong direction on just about every major. Um, METRICS THAT THERE IS AS A PARTY IN NEW MEXICO. AND SO, YOU KNOW, AS LONG AS PIERCE AND HIS GUYS ARE RUNNING THE SHOW, uh, YOU KNOW, I THINK BRIAN Goff AND THE DEMOCRAT PARTY SHOULD BE SENDING CHECKS AND ENCOURAGING THEM TO KEEP STEVE PIERCE AS THE CHAIRMAN OF THE PARTY.
1: THAT'S ALL THE TIME WE HAVE FOR THAT TOPIC. WHEN WE COME BACK TO THE LINE, OPINION PANEL WILL DISCUSS CHANGES TO THE STATE'S UNEMPLOYMENT POLICIES.
0: All right, so COVID ties into all of the topics the line picked up this week, not surprising. It touches all of our lives still in so, so many ways. But the the conversation now with the panelists, we wanna shift to the announcement this week that the State Department of Workforce Solutions was going to reinstate requirements for those folks who are getting unemployment benefits that they prove that they are actively looking for a job. That was uh, done away with pretty early on in the pandemic because it didn't make sense to require folks to be looking for jobs that didn't exist because the businesses couldn't be open. Uh, but now as we're starting to see those restrictions fall, businesses is able to open, even expand. People uh, who are collecting unemployment benefits will once again have to prove at least two search contacts a week as they look to find permanent employment wanted to know from the line panelists if the timing was right for that, if the time has come for that. Also, uh, an added wrinkle to all of this is that there appears to be a pretty substantial worker shortage here in New Mexico, in part because of those unemployment benefits uh, being better than uh, better paying than some of the minimum wage jobs that uh, folks could get today. And so we're kind of uh, Caught between a rock and a hard place on a lot of this. And so we want to know what the line folks think about this requirement coming back into place and just this um, dichotomy of uh, needing people to find work, but um, they're maybe not be able to earn as much finding that work as they will on the unemployment benefits. So let's turn it back to host Jean Grant now.
1: New MEXICANS COLLECTING UNEMPLOYMENT BENEFITS ARE ONCE AGAIN REQUIRED TO PROVE THEY ARE ACTIVELY LOOKING for, FOR WORK. THE DEPARTMENT OF WORKFORCE SOLUTIONS DID AWAY WITH THE REQUIREMENT DURING THE PANDEMIC, AS YOU MIGHT RECALL, BECAUSE IT DIDN'T MAKE SENSE FOR PEOPLE TO BE OUT LOOKING FOR JOBS THAT DIDN'T EXIST. BUT NOW THAT MORE BUSINESSES ARE ABLE TO BE OPEN AND EXPAND, theoretically, JOB SEEKERS HAVE MORE OPPORTUNITIES. THE REQUIREMENT IS TWO WORK SEARCH EFFORTS PER WEEK IN ORDER TO STAY ELIGIBLE FOR THOSE BENEFITS. AND LAURA, we KNEW THOSE REQUIREMENTS WOULD COME BACK AT SOME POINT. THE QUESTION IS, DO YOU THINK RIGHT NOW IS THE RIGHT TIME?
5: Uh, YOU KNOW, I, I THINK THAT IT IS ABSOLUTELY THE, wrong, the RIGHT TIME TO DO THIS RIGHT mm-hmm. NOW. I THINK THAT WE HAVE A SERIOUS PROBLEM ACROSS THE STATE WITH PLACES THAT ARE NOT ABLE TO PROVIDE SERVICES. THEY'RE OPEN. THERE'S COUNTIES THAT ARE NOW IN TURQUOISE. but the, <laughs> EXCUSE ME, THE BUSINESSES ARE STILL STRUGGLING BECAUSE mm-hmm. THEY CAN'T FIND WORKERS um and that's that's a real problem for our economy um you know it's funny i went i i just told dan i've been spending a fair amount of time going down to the southeast part of the state going to roswell and i happened to go down there at a time when they were in the turquoise the rest of us were still in yellow and they were in turquoise and i went to a restaurant and uh and they they had like a two-hour wait Mm-hmm. um and they were having indoor dining and i said well why why are you guys at two hours they said well we're only at 25 percent capacity i said no you guys are in turquoise how can you only be at 25 percent capacity and they explained it was because they didn't have enough employees to be able to to you know serve people they didn't have enough servers and they couldn't hire enough people and that's not just in roswell that's happening that's happening all over the state that's happening here in albuquerque mm-hmm. it's a serious serious problem so TO THE EXTENT THAT WE HAVE PEOPLE THAT ARE ON UNEMPLOYMENT RIGHT NOW, um, AND IF THEY'RE ACTUALLY OUT THERE LOOKING, THEY'RE MORE LIKELY TO FIND A JOB. THERE'S SO MANY OPPORTUNITIES RIGHT NOW. and PEOPLE ARE DESPERATE TO GET GOOD WORKERS IN THERE. Um, SO I THINK IT MAKES SENSE FOR PEOPLE TO HAVE TO DEMONSTRATE THAT THEY'RE ACTUALLY LOOKING.
1: Mm -hmm. DANIEL, IT it DOESN'T SEEM OVERLY overly BURDENSOME. I MEAN, THIS IS THE USUAL ROUTE, IF I HAVE THIS CORRECT, FOR ANY UNEMPLOYMENT YOU HAVE TO BE SEARCHING A COUPLE TIMES A WEEK. It, it, but does that solve the problem of getting employers to get help? It, it, it,
2: what Laura was getting at, basically. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I think this highlights a much bigger systemic problem in New Mexico, right? I mean, that we have people who can get a four hundred dollar a month kicker from the federal government unemployment, and it makes more sense to be unemployed than it does to go to work. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's you know I think that that's a that's a systemic problem. Um, you know, it's interesting because you know in. in you know, we're going to make businesses pay more per hour and do all this other stuff to get a quote unquote living wage. But yet we're giving folks this well, by any standard a non-living wage. And they'd rather have that than go back to work. And so um, it's it's a problem. You know, I mean, it's an interesting scenario. I was watching a show the other day, you know, and they're saying it's, it's, a, it's a conundrum because, you know, we have this we have this high level of unemployment. YET WE HAVE THIS HUGE GAP OF INDIVIDUALS READY TO WORK. AND SO, YOU KNOW, IT'S Mm -hmm. it's SOMETHING THAT'S A a BALANCE THAT YOU HAVEN'T SEEN, RIGHT? NORMALLY, WE GOT A BIG DEMAND IN WORKERS. WE DON'T HAVE ENOUGH WORKERS OR WE HAVE TOO MANY WORKERS AND NOT ENOUGH JOBS. RIGHT Right. NOW, NOT ONLY IN NEW MEXICO, ACROSS THE COUNTRY, THERE'S MORE JOBS, BUT THERE'S PEOPLE THAT JUST DON'T WANT TO TAKE THEM. AND SO, YOU KNOW, I THINK IT'S A a WAKE-UP CALL, um, YOU KNOW, TO SEE WHAT WE CAN DO. AND AT THE SAME TIME, AT THE SAME TIME, WE'RE PASSING LEGISLATION THAT PUTS THESE SMALL BUSINESSES IN A BIGGER, BIGGER PICKLE TO TRY TO FIGURE OUT HOW TO HIRE PEOPLE AND GET PEOPLE TO COME TO WORK. AND IT'S JUST, it's just A DISASTER OF EPIC PROPORTION.
1: Mm-hmm. MARTHA, INTERESTING. I'M THINKING BACK TO A TIME IN MY LIFE WHEN I WOULD BE MANAGING SMALL BUSINESSES FOR SOMEBODY ELSE, NOT OWNING, BUT MANAGING. AND THERE WAS THIS BEAUTIFUL GAME OF PEOPLE COMING IN TO LOOK FOR WORK. They would basically walk in and say, Do you, Are you guys hiring? And you would get to the O oh, in no, and it would just, they were already out the door. <laughs> they were gone basically because they were just fill, fulfilling that requirement. And so, my question is Is this a bit of an, an additional burden for some businesses that you can have all these folks walking in for these requirements but not serious about taking the job because, as Dan and Laura are saying, the money is just uh, too irresistible for them right now?
3: Well, why is the money too irresistible, Gene? Because mm-hmm. I- darn minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. I have to speak for the majority here. Mm-hmm. And the majority that are out of work right now are service workers, and the majority of those are female. It's all part and parcel of a lack of social supports. And you yes, I'm mean, the S word, social. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, you're a single mother maybe, or maybe you're a married mother, but you're making less money than the husband in the household, if you're married. If you're not, you're making pittance of money. You got no childcare. Half the schools are not open. Uh, We just don't have the social infrastructure to allow people to go to work for the minimum wage. There's no reason why they should. And by the way, I did the math once again. Mm -hmm. And if the minimum wage had kept up with inflation since the last minimum was passed in 1980s you know what it would be today 44 dollars an hour and so let's not blame the so-called lazy worker uh let's just just not shoot for the hip on this because there are many other factors that come into this and i just want to say uh one more thing about uh you know the implication is they'd rather be on welfare Uh, THAN BE WORKING. LET ME TELL YOU WHO IS ON WELFARE. Mm -hmm. THE CORPORATIONS, BECAUSE THE MINIMUM WAGE IS a, A CORPORATE SUBSIDY. THE TWO HIGHEST MINIMUM WAGE EMPLOYERS IN THIS STATE AND AROUND THE COUNTRY ARE WALMART AND McDonald's, AND THEY ARE ALSO THE TWO HIGHEST COMPANIES WITH WORKERS ON MEDICAID AND FOOD STAMPS. SO IF YOU WANT TO TALK ABOUT WELFARE, LET'S TALK ABOUT CORPORATE WELFARE TOO.
1: FAIR ENOUGH. HAD TO GET THAT IN THERE. NO DOUBT ABOUT THAT. Uh, Laura, interestingly, um, the benefits than some of these low-paying jobs. A study by J.P. Morgan Chase Institute found little evidence that that's actually true. That you know, folks are making these kind of decisions. But anecdotally, on the street, it's hard to get around that. What, what do you think?
5: Well, I mean, I, I do think there's. There's something to be said for the anecdotal issue. I mean, unfortunately it becomes a bit of an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. I do want to clarify though that I never said that people on welfare uh, were, you know, I mean, I never used the term welfare, right? I was talking I about
4: didn't. That. But
5: <laughs> I mean, I just want to I just want to make clear about I, mean, the,
3: it's the I think
5: Right, but I I do think that there are a lot of small businesses in New Mexico that are struggling right now. A lot of restaurants that are that are struggling to find people, mm-hmm. um, and and folks for whatever reason, and it could you know it could be a childcare care issue. It, there's a lot of there's a lot of systemic problems that we have here in New Mexico. And these are all individual
1: think, decisions, aren't they? I, I you know a lot of folks are getting are. lumped at l- at like there's some kind of group thought here. These are individual right. choices. I mean,
5: there are there are, and and there's sometimes it's a you know it's a county by county issue, mm-hmm. right? There's there's certain jobs in different places and but I. I THINK THAT, YOU KNOW, I CERTAINLY SEE AN OVERWHELMING AMOUNT OF FOR HIRE SIGNS THESE DAYS. Um, AND IT'S REALLY SURPRISING BECAUSE I, SINCE I'VE LIVED IN NEW MEXICO, we've, I'VE NEVER SEEN THIS MANY um, OPEN POSITIONS AND mm-hmm. PEOPLE JUST DESPERATE TO FIND SOMEBODY. SO I THINK HAVING A REQUIREMENT LIKE THIS MAKES SENSE. I MEAN, I REMEMBER GOING BACK FOR AS LONG AS YOU MENTIONED, JEAN, um, MANAGING BUSINESSES, BUT I REMEMBER BEING A KID AND MY MOM HAD BEEN ON UNEMPLOYMENT WHEN SHE WAS ON SEASONAL work. Um, DOWN AT THE CHILI PLANT IN DEMING, SHE HAD TO GO AND DO uh, THE UNEMPLOYMENT THING AND LOOK FOR A JOB. AND TO LOOK FOR A JOB, YOU KNOW, AND SHE WAS A SINGLE MOM, yep. HAD childcare ISSUES AND ALL THAT STUFF. AND IT WAS VERY CHALLENGING TO TRY TO FIND A JOB. YOU DID HAVE TO GO OUT AND, and YOU KNOW, POUND THE PAVEMENT AND TRY TO FIND A JOB OF SOME SORT. Um, AND THAT WAS BACK WHEN THERE WEREN'T A LOT OF OPPORTUNITIES. SO I THINK, <clears throat> YOU KNOW, we, WE ARE PAINTING WITH A VERY BROAD BRUSH. I THINK THE STATE HAS TO DO WHAT IT CAN AT THIS POINT. AND I ALSO THINK THAT MARTHA HAS A POINT. I MEAN, WE HAVE TO FIGURE OUT HOW TO INCREASE THE MINIMUM WAGE. Um, IT'S IMPORTANT, THOUGH, TO NOTE THAT NEW MEXICO ALREADY HAS A HIGHER MINIMUM WAGE THAN THE, than the FEDS. Mm-hmm. AND WE WERE AT $9 AND THEN IT INCREASED TO 1050 STARTING IN 2021. Mm-hmm. BUT WE ALSO, YOU KNOW, THAT THEN AFFECTS SMALL BUSINESSES AS WELL. AND THE FEDERAL GOVERNMENT ALSO NEEDS TO CATCH UP TO THAT. That's SO, right. YOU KNOW, WE'RE ALL JUST WAITING FOR CONGRESS TO ACT. TO MAKE IT MORE OF A LIVABLE WAGE, BECAUSE I DO THINK THAT THERE ARE SYSTEMIC PROBLEMS with, WITH NOT JUST OUR STATE, BUT THE FEDERAL SYSTEM IN GENERAL.
1: Mm-hmm. AND THIS IS a, WHAT YOU'RE ALL DESCRIBING AS PART OF THE TREMORS OF THIS AFTERSHOCK OF WHAT WE JUST WENT THROUGH WITH THE PANDEMIC. MARTHA, you have ONE MORE POINT THERE?
3: ONE MORE POINT. SUPER on QUICK,
1: IF YOU COULD. Mm-hmm.
3: IT WAS IN THE LAST BAILOUT BILL THAT BIDEN PROPOSED the REPUBLICANS KICKED IT OUT BEFORE IT COULD PASS. SO mm-hmm. WE KNOW HE'S AGAINST MINIMUM WAGE RIGHT NOW.
1: HERE IT IS. We're all the time on that topic for this week, at least. Next up for our line panelists, evictions in housing shortages across our state.
0: Last up on the line from this week's show, also COVID related, has to do with the story we've been following a lot over the last 14 months, which is evictions. There have been moratoriums in place, both on the federal level and the state level uh, to protect folks from evictions. Um, We now know that the federal eviction moratorium will end at the end of June, and this is also uh, compounded by a crazy housing market in New Mexico where uh, that also feeds into the rental in terms of the amount of money that folks can get in rent or uh, by selling a house and how that impacts people who are trying to keep their rental uh, at the rates that they are currently paying and not face that eviction and be able to keep up on those payments. And so there was new uh, reporting and studies out this week talking about the possibility of 100,000 evictions across New Mexico in the coming months. This is a problem that is going to truly flare up and have a lot of implications across our state and so let's dive into that conversation now toss it back to Gene grant
1: if you find yourself in the market for a place to live this is a frustrating time for you no doubt whether buying or renting housing prices continue to rise it might be about to get worse for thousands of new mexicans both the state and federal governments have had moratoriums on evictions during the pandemic but those may soon be expiring and martha is there a way to avoid a wave of evictions that might be cresting and just ready to break, as we emerge from the pandemic's economic trough.
3: Well, Jean, I don't think the wave is going to crest immediately mm-hmm. because there are some legal protections for some of the tenants. Uh, the federal moratorium does not expire till the end of June.
4: Right. You
3: don't AS a duration expiration date for state uh moratoriums and some of them are different uh, than the federal but the eviction problem is here the real estate problem as we all have been reading about is also here and once again to just be a broken record this is falling on women more than men Mm
4: -hmm.
3: a recent study came out of the institute for policy studies in washington i just read it yesterday that women are evicted at almost twice the rate of men Wow. Uh, it was disproportionately on women of color. And that's very important for New Mexico because they compared Latinx women with Latinx men and the same thing holds.
4: Hmm.
3: Uh, women again, uh, sometimes they have uh, the kids to take care of and so forth. It all goes back to that minimum wage. Maybe they can't make enough to pay the rent. So it is going to be a huge problem. I wish I could SIT HERE AND SAY, BOY, HERE'S THE SOLUTION. BUT right. WE DON'T HAVE THEM RIGHT NOW COUNTRYWIDE.
1: Mm-hmm. YOU KNOW, THE NUMBERS ARE SCARY, LAURA. Uh, 50 TO 100,000 PEOPLE ON THE BRINK OF EVICTION STATEWIDE that WE'RE SEEING HERE FROM uh, FOLKS WHO ARE TRACKING THESE THINGS IN THE Mexico CENTER FOR LAW AND POVERTY. THAT'S THEIR RECENT DATA. I MEAN, YOU'RE TALKING a lot of these folks need to get on board with some kind of plan to stay now, because there's just not a lot of backstopping. Uh, do we have enough backstopping? Maybe this is the better question to help these folks who are in need uh, for some rental help or assistance.
5: Well, it's it's very hard to um, unpack that. I think mm-hmm. uh, there, you know, what's interesting is we we have in general uh, just a lack of affordable housing in the state, right. even when not in the middle of a pandemic. And um, if you're familiar at all with some of the um, housing and urban development programs, um, there are several uh, housing authorities in the state of New Mexico that deal with Section 8 housing vouchers, as well as providing public housing, um, largely to people who meet certain criteria in terms of economic um, level or they're they're disabled um, or on some other public assistance. And so that's a very vulnerable population that actually to some extent, I wouldn't say that the the problems addressed because we obviously have a homelessness issue, but th- a lot of those folks are are thankfully already covered under the housing authority issues. So this is this is largely this eviction issue is is really affecting the working poor. So mm-hmm. folks who are um, are not eligible maybe for a lot of the public assistance out there maybe are not disabled in certain categories where there would be other uh, federal public assistance and state assistance. But it's folks who have been either unemployed or underemployed, and they're being impacted in particular by this pandemic. So we're talking about a lot of families. I do agree with uh, Martha that it probably disproportionately affects people of color and women. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just look at our society, we have a lot of um, women that are single mothers, um, and so we definitely have are talking about the most vulnerable population. There are some programs that the federal government has started to establish. THAT THE STATE IS WORKING ON TRYING TO uh, MOVE FORWARD AND MOVE OUT TO PEOPLE IN NEED. AND THAT, FOR EXAMPLE, FOLKS CAN GO TO THE NEW MEXICO FINANCE AUTHORITY WEBSITE AND there's SOME RENTAL ASSISTANCE APPLICATIONS THERE. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> THERE'S ALSO SOME THAT I THINK SOME OF THE LOCAL um, uh, TV STATIONS had LINKS mm-hmm. TO AS WELL, LIKE ARQE. BUT BASICALLY THERE ARE SOME PROGRAMS THAT ARE ALREADY AVAILABLE FOR RENTAL ASSISTANCE but it's trying to get folks who are in that vulnerable population connected with those resources. And that's not always an easy thing. You might have some people who just aren't even on, you know, have internet access, aren't able to access some of that information. And so that's where a lot of these nonprofit organizations that focus on low income advocacy, they can be super important when it comes to this, social workers, others. I mean, this is really a community problem that we need to address.
1: RENTHELPNM.ORG. I'M GLAD YOU BROUGHT THAT UP, uh, um, LAURA. HEY, DAN, LET ME TALK ABOUT LANDLORDS HERE FOR A SECOND. AND uh, THEY HAVE NEEDS. THEY HAVE RIGHTS. Uh, AND HOW DO WE TAKE THIS INTO ACCOUNT? YOU KNOW, THE PERCEPTION, OF COURSE, IS THAT THEY'RE THE ONES WITH ALL THE dough, BUT IT CAN'T BE ON THEM TO PROVIDE FREE HOUSING FOREVER. I HATE TO BE, YOU KNOW, SO HARSH ABOUT THIS. AND THEN YOU'VE GOT OTHER THINGS THAT COST THEM MONEY AS WELL. HOW DO WE BALANCE THIS SO IT COMES OUT FAIRLY FOR BOTH THE LANDLORD AND THE TENANT WHO MIGHT BE STRUGGLING WITH, uh, with MONEY RIGHT NOW?
2: so so i think there's a couple things that we have to look at and i'm sure i'm going to people are going to come off the ropes on me but i think that there's a couple things one of them is you know there was help provided to landlords during the covid situation right they were given money mm-hmm. there was extra money given to tenants through unemployment benefits You know, it just it becomes a matter of priorities in some extent, right? I mean, you know, you got to make sure you're paying your mortgage or your rent. You got to make sure you're getting food on the table, gas and electric, and and that kind of stuff. And so, I I have a hard time for both sides. Uh, I have a hard time for sympathy with both sides. Uh, Landlords were given some uh, abatement. You know, they were given more if they showed that they abated. Uh, gave abatement to to their tenants mm-hmm. and there was additional monies that were available to them uh, but you're right the key is um, it, at some point either we're all going to keep paying this or everybody's gonna have to figure out a way to make this work out and I think that to some extent the government looked at that looked at both sides of this and said, look we're going to give extra benefits to folks that need them we're going to give extra benefits to uh, the landlords and hopefully between the two things will work out but you know as we know, in a, you know, it doesn't seem to work out that way. Somebody always feels that they're being wronged, uh, They're being slighted. That at some point, uh, it's gonna be a, si- a serious, a significant problem. The, the one thing that I think is gonna unfairly, or not unfairly, I just think it's the way it's gonna be. It's gonna affect the folks that get evicted is, you know, the housing market right now and apartment market is out of control mm-hmm. in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's out of control. And, and I mean, we're literally bordering on a New York style, yep. you know, mm-hmm. You know where people are getting booted because they, they agreed to nine hundred dollars a month, and now you can get twenty eight hundred dollars a month to rent that apartment. And so, you know, if people haven't been using these resources wisely to keep themselves up, landlords are not going to miss the opportunity to boot people uh, and and try to find folks that are willing to pay more in rent. Mm-hmm. Have to be that'll have, have to be
1: the last word. Have to do it for now. Sorry about that. Thanks to all our panelists for your thoughts. However, it's always good to work through these issues with you all. I'm back in a moment with a few final thoughts. Little bonus
0: for you here as well. You may not realize this, but every week when we're taping the show, one of the very first things we do is what we call the one more thing with the line opinion panelists. It's a way to get them warmed up, and it's a way to get our crew and all the technical things ironed out before we record for the show. But the other great benefit is that we get to cover a little more territory each and every week. There's never enough time to dive into everything that we would like to, so we're really happy to be uh, able to bring that to you, and we do it live on Facebook every week at about 10.30, 10.45, if you want to tune in for that. But this week, great conversation about another story you've probably seen in the headlines, and that is the apparent bad breakup between Balloon Fiesta and Canon Cameras. There was a sponsorship deal that wrapped up at the end of 2020, uh, and Canon, because Balloon Fiesta didn't happen in the middle of COVID, is asking to be refunded $250,000 for last year's event. The Balloon Fiesta folks are saying that last year's event was not actually canceled, just postponed, and so they wanted to extend that deal into this year and credit that money towards this year's event, which appears to be... Um, all lined out and ready to go this coming October with more than 600 pilots signed up to attend. Um, And so it felt like when you're talking about a dollar amount, like $250,000, in many ways, sort of a drop in the bucket. And so wondering, a lot of folks are, about what's really going on with this decision, where Balloon Fiesta goes from here, where Canon goes from here. So uh, we want to bring this to you, this extra that we did on Facebook Live, and um, we uh, encourage you to watch that each and every Thursday morning as we get geared up for the show. So here again, Gene Grant.
1: I'm Gene Grant. I'm here in the studios of New Mexico PBS with our Line Opinion panelists joining me right there on Zoom. We're about to record this week's show, but before we do, traditionally, we would like to warm up by taking a turn at another issue that is on our minds this week. Now, they say a picture is worth a thousand words and apparently a quarter of a million dollars as well. That's how much Canon USA is suing the Balloon Fiesta folks for after last year's event didn't happen due to COVID-19. The camera company was in the last year of a three-year deal as the primary sponsor of Balloon Fiesta, largely considered one of the most photographed events in the world. There's no doubt about this. And Martha, the event didn't happen in 2020, so Canon wants their money back. BUT BALLOON FIESTA OFFICIALS SAY IT WASN'T CANCELLED, JUST POSTPONED, UNTIL OCTOBER OF THIS YEAR. WHAT DO YOU THINK OF THAT CLAIM? IS IT FAIR?
3: WELL, TECHNICALLY, IF YOU REALLY PARSE THE WORDS, I SUPPOSE IT'S FAIR, BUT IT'S STUPID. Mm -hmm. Uh, I DID A LITTLE OF THE MATH, LOOKED UP SOME OF THE NUMBERS. Um, Canon's NET PROFIT IS EXPECTED TO GO UP THIS YEAR. THE $250,000 IS LESS THAN A DROP IT IN THE BUCKET. Right. THEIR AVERAGE CEO AROUND THE WORLD MAKES MORE THAN THAT, AND THE GUY AT THE TOP MAKES 700000 mm. SO I DON'T SEE WHY THEY'RE EVEN LITIGATING THIS. WHAT, YOU KNOW, SO THEY DON'T MAKE BACK THEIR MONEY. THEY'RE MAKING PLENTY OF MONEY ELSEWHERE. THEY EXPECT TO um, MAKE $514
1: billion IN THE UNITED STATES ALONE THIS YEAR. REALLY? So, <laughs> YEAH. THAT'S A uh, LOT OF MONEY. HOLY SMOKES. What do you think no, it's what, come down it's, to what do, make, it's it's not, <laughs> wow. what do you make if it's nothing Wow what do you make it out to Martha? I mean it's clearly you've made a good case that it's not about money What do you think it could be about?
3: i just don't have any idea i mean maybe you're right maybe they think you know cameras are going the way of the dinos i don't know but it seems like to me in pure pr terms Mm -hmm. that this is going to hurt them more than the pittance of savings they might have if they do get out of it and that's not even counting the cost of litigation
1: that's a good point that's a very good point, Laura Sanchez. You know about that, the cause of litigation and stuff. But I'm curious, what you, what's your opinion? On why you think Canon is taking this approach?
5: Well, I think it's a basic contract dispute. I mean, I think that they felt that they had certain sponsorship opportunities, certain advertising opportunities. I mean, they're really paying for for the advertising that comes with mm-hmm. an event like Balloon Fiesta. There are so many um, promotional, uh, you know, documents, flyers. Uh, posters, all kinds of pictures that get taken during that time. So their name goes everywhere. And so I think they're thinking about this is a lost opportunity in that 2020 year to have been able to capture or capitalize on that advertising opportunity. Right. And so it's a basic contract dispute. And what they're arguing, of course, is that they have, you know, the balloon fiesta is saying that this is a postponement of the 2020 um, balloon fiesta and Canon's arguing, no, it's actually its own separate event. Nowhere has it been advertised as the continuation of the 2020 or, or a postponement. It's They've cited to media articles and other um, sources in the media largely that that have, um, and, and also quoted some of the Fiesta officials that have said that this is a 2021 event. So what's interesting to me as an attorney, though, is that most of these contracts tend to have what's called a force majeure clause, mm. which is like an act of God. Um, and most every contract that that you look at will have some form of you know, act of God kind of uh, a clause where it allows an out of the contract. And I, I don't, I would expect that there'd be an argument made perhaps on that, on that basis mm-hmm. for Fiesta to be able to get out of it because it's not like they could have predicted or that they did anything to incite the, um, the COVID-19 pandemic. It was simply something that occurred and that everybody was dealing with.
1: That's right. That's an interesting point there about the force majeure type situation there. I got to think about that a little bit. It is a quote from the Canon folks. Uh, I'm going to stay with Laura with you for a quick sec here. Uh, quote: Canon USA never consented to reschedule the 2020 Fiesta for a mutually agreed upon date. Consequently, regardless of whether the Bloom Fiesta characterizes its decision as a postponement or a cancellation, Canon USA was entitled to terminate the agreement and get a refund of the $250,000 sponsorship fee. I just, I, Laura, I'm just, I'm curious. Would that be a mutually consent decision to postpone or cancel? WITH A MAJOR SPONSOR, IN in GENERAL TERMS, I KNOW YOU DON'T HAVE PRIVY TO THIS uh, uh, this SITUATION. IT JUST SOUNDS LIKE THEY WERE NEVER CONSULTED OR NEVER CONSENTED, IS THAT PART OF THE RUB HERE?
5: WELL, I THINK THAT'S PROBABLY A PART OF IT IN TERMS OF THE ARGUMENTS THAT CANNON IS USING, THEIR ATTORNEYS ARE USING um, TO FIGHT THIS SPONSORSHIP ISSUE. Um,
4: YOU
5: KNOW, BEING ABLE TO CHANGE THE TERMS EVEN IF THEY'RE MATERIAL TERMS IN A CONTRACT IS ALWAYS SORT OF UP FOR GRABS BOTH PARTIES COULD COME BACK AND HAVE A MEETING OF THE MIND SO TO SPEAK AND RENEGOTIATE TERMS AND SO YOU KNOW THE RIGHT THING TO DO IN ANY SITUATION WHEN YOU'RE IN A CONTRACT IS IF YOU foresee THE NEED TO CHANGE SOME OF THOSE TERMS YOU NEED TO GO BACK TO THE TABLE Mm -hmm. TALK TO THE OTHER SIDE AND TRY TO COME TO SOME AGREEMENT ABOUT WHAT THAT MEANS Mm -hmm. IF THEY HAD DONE THAT PROACTIVELY THEN I'M SURE THAT THERE WOULDN'T HAVE BEEN ANY BASIS FOR THIS FOR THIS um, uh, LAWSUIT. BUT AT THE SAME TIME, um, YOU KNOW, IT'S NOT CLEAR, uh, AND I WOULD EXPECT IT WASN'T PROBABLY CLEAR TO FIESTA OFFICIALS WHEN AND IF THE 2021 um, FIESTA WOULD EVEN BE SCHEDULED. WE REALLY HAVE BEEN IN SUCH AN UNCERTAIN TIME. WE ONLY RECENTLY HAVE REALIZED WE CAN START TO HAVE EVENTS OUTSIDE AGAIN. SO I THINK THAT THERE'S JUST SO MANY MOVING PARTS. IT'S REALLY GOING TO COME DOWN TO WHAT KIND OF EVIDENCE IS EACH SIDE GOING TO PRESENT. BUT I WOULD REALLY EXPECT THAT BEFORE IT GOES TO TRIAL, GIVEN THAT THESE ARE TWO VERY SOPHISTICATED Um, ENTITIES, THEY'RE GOING TO COME TO SOME AGREEMENT ABOUT IT. Mm -hmm. and SO I THINK THAT'S PROBABLY WHAT WILL END UP HAPPENING RATHER THAN SPEND THE the ATTORNEY'S FEES AND THE TIME AND THE PUBLIC, um, YOU KNOW, PERCEPTION, uh, THE COST OF THAT Mm -hmm. uh, IN LITIGATION.
1: THAT'S A VERY GOOD POINT. I'M GLAD I WENT BACK TO YOU ON THAT. THAT'S AN EXCELLENT POINT. DANIEL, SORRY TO LEAVE YOU KIND OF HANGING OUT THERE A LITTLE BIT. BUT I DO HAVE JUST A FUNDAMENTAL QUESTION. MAYBE I'M JUST NAIVE HERE. BUT, YOU KNOW, I LOVE DSLR CAMERAS, YOU KNOW, MIRRORLESS CAMERAS JUST AS MUCH AS ANYBODY. But honestly, you know, the world is going to cell phones and cameras and cell phones that have zoom lenses and lenses that are pretty dang good compared to very expensive you know, DSLR cameras that you got to buy lenses and filters and all that kind of a thing. Do you think that's part of the problem here is the world just sort of flipping over on how photographs are taken? Because I hearken back, remember Kodak used to sponsor things out here for Balloon Fiesta and that went away when film went away. So film processing, I should say, more accurately. So, what, what, what's your sense of that one, Dan?
2: I, I thought you were going to want me to answer the naive question first, but uh, <laughs> you uh, can I can take I'll, it. I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, it's just it's interesting that in a declining environment for photography, that you would want to be in a fight with the most photographed, you know, event in the world, mm-hmm. potentially, right? I mean, it's it's. It's definitely, you know, the top one in the country. And I think they said one of the top ones in the world. And so it's, it's interesting. You know, we, we are going through a lot of this in my office, um, you know, just local personally. Right. I mean, we, we have a box at Isleta and we paid for that box. They canceled the season and they, you know, they called us and said, look, you can have your money back or you can just roll it over till when we finally do have a season. And we were like, well, we rolled it over. So, you know, we kind of it's its weird because we kind of get a free year. Right. right. I mean, we already budgeted for this a year ago. So now in this year's budget, I don't have to come up with the money to, to do that. So it seems like, you know, once the year is gone, that the company would be like, hey, look, this is really kind of a free year. Mm-hmm. You know, we already went through all the hardships and I can't imagine there's that much money at stake for the organization. Um, you know, it just it seems like, you know, I think you're going to find out that you know, it, it sounds like somebody's feelings or their their personality, or you know, somebody thinking they're the boss got their feelings hurt, and uh, that's what's happening here. Because I I don't see an upside to them to ending their relationship with the balloon. He has to end the fight with them. It just right. it doesn't make sense. I mean, it just it just doesn't. I mean, that's you know, it's one of the things my you know relatives and friends all over the world know about Albuquerque. You know, there's 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 usually two things when you travel they tell you about New Mexico: aliens and balloons and so you know i I wouldn't want to be on the wrong side of either one of those if i was a company that needed my name associated with things Oh,
5: i i gotta i gotta disagree a little bit with what dan said i don't think it's i mean while there may be some you know hurt feelings here and there you don't enter into litigation over hurt feelings, not when you're a business like this, um, as sophisticated as as I presume that they are. Mm -hmm. What I think it's more likely is they're trying to avoid a precedent of future engagements like this and having sort of a bait and switch situation where somebody decides to postpone it, doesn't talk to them at all, doesn't give them an opportunity to come to the Mm -hmm. table and renegotiate anything. I mean, again, it's, it's like when you think about, you know, the coaches contracts. I mean, yeah, you have a contract, but if there's going to be a change, you've got to come right. back to the table and that's renegotiate right. it um, or figure out what the out is for that. And I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to enforce their rights under that contract.
1: Mm-hmm. Martha, let me go back to you for a quick sec. I feel like you've been watching uh, patiently here. Why so public from Canon? I mean, this, this seems to me an easily handled behind the scenes thing. Why are they, why are they so public so early on this?
3: Oh, no, Jean, again, as I said earlier, it is a PR disaster for them, right? It's not very much money, as Dan said, maybe somebody got their ego involved in it. I don't know.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, the act of God thing is pretty interesting to mm-hmm. contract. And it, it makes no sense.
1: Yeah. Something, something's weird there. We're yet to hear the real story. I feel for Tom Garrity, one of our colleagues here, having to be in the middle of all this, too. Have to wrap that up there. Thanks for joining us. New Mexico in focus there is Friday nights, you might know, but also Sunday mornings right here in New Mexico.
0: All right, that will do it for the first part of this week's on-air show. In this podcast episode, we'll be back again on Sunday with some more things from the show, namely an interview with Chris Manning. He is the Libertarian candidate in the special election for the 1st Congressional District. That is the seat that was held by Deb Holland until she became Secretary of the Interior earlier this year. That election is coming up on June 1st, although expanded early voting starts um, on Saturday, uh, tomorrow. So uh, we will have that conversation with him, an in-depth conversation, really interesting. Also, Our Land Returns, that's our monthly environmental series. This month, we are looking at a problem we first discovered or explored a couple years ago. That is blue-green algae, toxic blooms that are showing up in some of our lakes. Uh, it closed down Abiquiu and Cochiti Lake a couple years ago to swimming and recreational activities. And as water levels continue to drop and temperatures continue to rise, more sunny days, it's a problem that's going to recur here in New Mexico. So we'll dive into that issue with Laura Pascas, the correspondent of Our Land. So tune in for that on Sunday. Until then, stay safe and stay healthy. I'm Kevin McDonald, executive producer at New Mexico PBS.